Hello, welcome to Talk to Ma. I'm Susan Henriquez. I'm a crisis and trauma counselor with over 25 years of experience in mental health and trauma healing. I'm also a Latina from the Bronx, New York, a healer, spiritual teacher, oracle reader, storyteller, warrior, goddess, bruja, writer and creative force in nature, and many other labels that the world tries to stick on me. Talk to my podcast is a loving, trauma-informed, safe space for young adults ages 18 to 35 to help you realize your authentic self and connect you with your emotions, answer your questions, and help you manifest your dreams. The mission of Talk to My Podcast is to consciously co-create a better world by reaching young people like you and showing you love first, valuing your stories, and giving you a voice. Along the way are my own stories of trauma, pain, and liberation. Yes, liberation. Liberation that came at a cost. Liberation I did not know was my God-given right. So you see, this is my story too. Do not expect perfection. We don't do that here. It might get messy. It might get angry and sad and happy and joyous because it is all part of healing and there's no perfect formula. But do expect lots of love, authenticity, transparency, and fun. There's a lot that goes into the production of these podcasts. So if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, please do so by becoming a monthly sponsor and download and like and share your favorite episodes with friends and family and email me or leave me a message. I've included all the information in the notes. And if you are someone that has a show idea or want to share with the tribe your talents, hit me up. I want to support you in your growth. And lastly, did I tell you I love you? Talk to my podcast. You need to listen. Hello, hello, and welcome to Talk to Ma with Susan Henriquez, and I am Susan Henriquez. How y'all doing today? Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Um, As you know, this is a trauma-informed show for young folks, particularly of color, Latinos, and African-Americans, and um, we have a really special guest today, but before I tell you about her... I wanted to give a shout out to ATA Creative Designs who sent me this lovely pillow with my logo on it. She does cups, she does t-shirts, she does all kinds of things. Really, really creative. And she also made me uh ashtray. <laughs> she made it herself. Some of y'all won't be able to see it, but it's really cute with pink flecks and everything. And... um. I really am grateful. Thank you, Tania from ATA Creative Designs. And now back to the show. (laughs) So today I have with me the lovely Annette Diaz. Annette Diaz is an advocate and recovery support specialist for Imani Project, 
Um, she, she could tell you more than I can, but Imani Project is a peer-supported program that works with people with mental health and substance abuse um, issues. And I really loved, when I heard about this show at a different meeting, I mean, I heard about this project at a different meeting, I was really intrigued because it was something I didn't even know existed, and it's right here in New Haven. And I thought it was a wonderful resource. And one of the things that I really loved about this was that it is in collaboration with faith-based um, uh, uh, churches <laughs> um, in our community. And also the other thing I love about it is that it's really run by people that have been through it, like they've been through it. So um, let me tell you a little bit about Annette. Annette, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. You know, my always keep it real. So I'm going to tell you that this is our second attempt at doing this because <laughs> I don't know what happened to the last recording, but it just did not work. And then we lost the whole show with Sylvia Cooper, which I want to give a shout out to because she was supposed to be here, but she got sick. And we had a really wonderful show and we, you know, I lost the whole thing. So um, this time I'm double recording, y'all. And um, I'm so grateful for Annette to come back and do this again. And Sylvia was going to come back too. But as I said, she got sick. So she's been sick. So we have Annette here, which I think is a good idea because Annette has a wonderful story to share. So welcome, Annette. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Give me one more minute. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So let me introduce you what I have for you, though. You're okay. a Latina advocate, a recovery support specialist, a recovery coach. She's been a long-term in long-term recovery since 2007. So she didn't just recover yesterday. She's been doing this for a while. She recovered from mental health, trauma, homelessness, incarceration, and substance abuse. She comes with over 10 years of professional experience working at one of the largest behavioral health networks in Eastern Connecticut as a coordinator of recovery support services. Annette also served as a trustee for CT Hearing Voices movement and played a major role with its development in her state. Annette has a new role as mobility manager to assist persons with disability, disabilities navigate transportation options in North Central Connecticut with Amplify. And again, welcome, Annette. Welcome, 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 welcome. So before we begin, first tell me about Imani Project, what it is. What is Imani Project? <clears throat> sure, sure. So thank you for having me. So the Imani Project is... Um, <clears throat> It's an alternative. It's another way of thinking about how to help people in recovery or obtain recovery um, who experience trauma, mental health, substance abuse, some type of interruption in their life, right? Um, and so they looked at it because, you know... Who looked at it? Yeah. Um, Yale for Program Recovery and Community Health. Um, and they... Well, not only them. Let's say this. So the, the faith-based community, right? So when the opiate crisis started to heighten, um, a lot of faith-based organizations and parents were contacting, like, the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. They were making their voices extremely loud, like, this is happening in my house, in my neighborhood, in my school, in my corner, in my restaurant. Like, what? Like, the state needs to do something. So... 
you know, um, at the time we had a commissioner of uh, Marion Delta Rittman that used to be the commissioner of Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. And she also worked in collaboration with Dr. Ayana and Dr. Sherelle Bellamy. Like, hey, here's what's happening, right? Because they were on the advisory committee or the leadership team, I want to say, with the state. Um, and like, this is what's going on. How do we figure this out? Like, with, you know, we have these types of communities coming up to me. We need to assist them in finding solutions. So... We figured out, well, maybe if we can teach the the, the spiritual community, you know, the, the church community, the faith-based, whatever people want to call themselves um, in those settings, to try, how to help people obtain recovery. So, it, you know, want to do like a normal, like a town hall conversation, like, you know, in your community, you have somebody talking about like the, the statistics of like the medical part of it. We wanted to figure out how we can talk about like some hope. How can we provide hope? How can we provide resources? How can we help people refrain, you know, refrain from like that old stereotypical thinking of like, you know, in order for you to obtain recovery, you have to have like abstinence with like nothing in your system, you know, try to, um, it's almost like a modernized way of, of looking at people um, for their strengths and not their weaknesses because, you know, even for me being in recovery, it was very hard for me to look at myself with self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And so this, the Imani has a different approach on that. It makes you be the expert in your own recovery and in your own treatment. I love that. I love that. I love that. And how did, you know, um, so Imani is, so Imani is, is it, how many churches are actually involved in this? So we have, you're going to make me count. So no, have, no, 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 no. I always, okay, so no, it's, it's over, it's over, I want to say it's over seven or eight churches. And are they um, all and, in New Haven? No, it's also, there's, we have a black and brown in New Haven and a Latinx in New Haven. So, and then, you know, we have the same um, in Bridgeport, Waterbury, New Britain. Oh, wow. Park. Okay. So you have, Imani is in all these places. Not mm -hmm. just New Haven. No, not just New Haven. We try to do them um, in the hot spots, as you would oh, call okay. it, right? Mm -hmm. Also, um, also the you know the state does things by catchment areas. You know mm -hmm. how many people are in this area per yeah. So that's what we try to do. Um, and also who was interested, right? And also how many people like a lot of churches in Hartford and a lot of community members in New Haven were like, Hey, the state, what's going on? So I also want to say they looked at it through the people in the communities that were interested in it. Got you. Got you. So, you know, as I, I you, as you probably know, and you should you know that this show is geared towards young people and trauma, mental health and things like that. So I kind of wanted to get into your story as to what got you here, because there are a lot of young people out there struggling with alcohol and, and substance abuse. And even for myself, like I, I, you know, I struggled with alcohol in my later life, but I never knew I had a problem. You know what I mean? I didn't know like how, so I guess I want to know, like, how did you end up here? What happened? Yeah. Yeah, so I promise I won't take up the whole show. So oh, how I ended up here um, was obviously, so I am identified as a person who had a previous substance abuse, a previous drug problem, right? And a previous mental health untreated problem many years ago. 
Um, and I say that I was about 26 years old. So I'm 42 now. So 26 years old from teenager until 26 years old, I was out there in the streets, homeless, didn't know what mental health was, getting arrested, you know, fighting, relationship after relationship, trying to seek something better than myself, right, was the drugs, um, you know, getting involved in gangs and getting involved in just all these bad things that when I, when I all these, let me not say bad because those right. experiences made me today, right, but right, things right. that they were not as healthy, you know what I mean, well, for my, my mental health. Let's so, back up so. a little bit, though, in that. Let's back up a little bit because one of the things that I, I try to talk about here, and like when you said bad, you're right, it's not bad. You were just surviving from whatever happened. So mm -hmm. going back a little bit further, if you don't mind, like what was your teenage life like? What was that, what was that piece like that, you know, there was a reason that you went out in the streets, right? And, and I know, yeah. you know, it was it, so... Let's not skip over that very important part, right? Like, what was going on at home? What was Sorry, did you yeah. did you yeah. have support? No, you're right. Did you and, have and support? Thank you for bringing that, bringing yeah. the essence of that back, right? So yeah. right because because um, because I, I know that, like for me, I know that people do things because it's really you're you're in survival mode, you know. Like you, you trying like you just you said that like I was trying to escape, right? So that's where the drugs came in and. And I know for me, like, I hung out in the streets because I, home wasn't safe, you know? And for me, sometimes being in the streets, people fed me. People made sure nobody bothered me. Like, they, they were, there's some positivity in that, even though it's negative. But, you know, there is, there, is, there is something that you get out of that being in the streets, right? Because if we were safe at home or felt supported and loved at home, we probably wouldn't end up there, even though, you know, it can happen to anybody, even coming from the best homes. But is yeah. there is there a backstory to why you ended up in the streets? Yeah, so um in my so I I am a so let me start from I was me, I have it's myself and I have two sisters. And you know, earlier in the baby baby time, um, I, my sisters were born on a military base because my father was in the military in that Agent Orange war, right? Where they oh. used to like put opium in people's feet, right? Like now we know, we're in 2020, now we know. Oh, so so that's where it all started. So my step, my, my father was a heroin addict. Gotcha. Okay. And my mother didn't know what to do. We mm -hmm. lived in Germany and here we are, oh. we're Puerto Rican and we lived in Germany in a military base. Wow. And we didn't know what to do, where to go. So we ended up in Connecticut at a shelter. And um Oh wait, stop right there. Your mother left your father? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she picked up on the plane back. with no money, no wow. nothing. Like so that's really where the stuff started, right? Right, right. Not understanding. Right. Then I used to, you know, I don't know, I used to ask about him growing up and, and I was he my mother was good. She didn't say anything bad. She just he's not around. And then when he tended to be around, when he ended up coming down here, um, you know, he he put us in situations that weren't the healthiest, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's be real. Like, we used so to wake up in the morning. So he was still using? Yeah. Yeah. And you he... know, he used to wake, we used to wake up, me and my sisters would go there over, like, in the weekend, right? When we were, like, five or seven or eight as we're getting older. And, you know, we would wake up and there'd be, like, drugs everywhere, women everywhere. We would call my mom and be like, we're hungry. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't, we didn't mean to snitch him out, but we was hungry, you know? <laughs> so... 
So we were experiencing that. I do have two older sisters that experienced a little bit more severe trauma than I did. Um, I was the middle child. You know, both of them were um, ended up being victims of sexual abuse. Um, I wasn't. So that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. So then the, the the mental health systems, the shame, the the guilt, the resentment, not understanding when all this was happening. I was never taught to. I didn't know about mental health clinics or anything mm-hmm. like that. We went to church. We were right. supposed to pray it out. Ten right. Mary's, ten our fathers, well, go, yeah. go to confession. You know, and also, and you know, Catholic, so that's how all this worked mm-hmm. out. So I didn't understand, and I didn't understand myself. And then when I was getting early, hold on, I, I want to stop you woman. there for a moment. I want to stop you there for a moment, only because I'm really hearing you, and um, you know, I want to say, I want to add this that. Also, you know, black and brown people, we don't look for help, right? Like, we don't, like, we're taught, lo que pasa en la casa, se queda en la casa. You know, what happens in the house stays in the house. So that's the other piece that, you know, that Latinos and and African-American have not always been supported by the system, right? So when we, when we tell, when we, you know, in the past and probably still now, when, when we have a crisis in our home and let's say we want to call somebody, our kids are taken away. You know what I mean? Like that's the first exactly. thing we think about, right? Exactly. So so that's exactly. the other piece. And then for, for men, Latino men and, and African, like getting help was like, you know, you, I know me growing up, you know, the, if you ask, you got help, you crazy and you weak. You know, you're not you're you're not a strong person if you need a psychiatrist. This is the this is the history, the the way things have been in our culture. So mm-hmm. I just say that to say that that's still going on. You know, it's still going on, and I want young people to understand that that you know that that if you're raised in a home where you're told not to look for help, then you hold all that shit in. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You hold it all in, right? You hold it all in, and then you run to the streets, and you just don't... like. I like what you said. Like, you just didn't know how to deal with it. You didn't know how to deal with it. So, and I, I also want to bring to the to the point, to something that I related to you on this, like when you were in high school, right? You don't want to tell your friends all the stuff that's going on at home, right? You're still trying to be normal, and then when you get home, there's all this chaos going on. You know, but then you out in the streets and you're trying to act normal, look fly, dress nice, whatever. But really, there's all this stuff going on at home that nobody's talking about. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. So you said you went to high school. When the, go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, high school. High school hit it once I hit like puberty. Um, you know, the bipolar started. Like I didn't. Well, then I know it's it's called bipolar to to this day. What I was told it was back then was you know being promiscuous and. And just being um, ignorant and doing whatever I wanted syndrome. You know what can I mean? You t- so can you tell me a little so bit really more? Comforting. Annette, can you tell me a little bit more about how that was for you? Like, what is bipolar? And what, like, how did that surface for you? Like, what, what is that? What did that look like for you? Yeah, so um, I want to say I was about 22 years old when I found out that I was a person who was living with bipolar. Um and it felt really, what's the word, validating, I want to mm. say. Like, wow, okay, now it makes sense. Like, I behaved X, Y, and Z, 
because I had something that I didn't understand. But what is you know the, what, what I mean? was the behavior? Because I want young people when they hear you, if they're experiencing this, that they you know they have some knowledge. So what was what would someone with bipolar so, do? So, so my earlier um, symptoms were the the mania, the um, the the rapid thoughts, the um, even the promiscuity. Like I was promiscuous as a teenager. Um, you know, look, um, looking to cover up the 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 racing thoughts by alcohol or drugs. Can you hold on one second? Um, hold on, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. My daughter had came in the room. Um, so so that's what that looked like when um yeah. So you had a lot of racing thoughts and, and things like that, and the alcohol and the drugs would kind of calm it down. Yeah, yeah. They would numb it. They would numb it. That's what it did. It numbed it and it also normalized it, right? Because you mentioned earlier, oh, you know, I didn't want to tell my friends, right? Because I I don't I want it to be normal. I don't want to be this unnormal teenager. Right? Bad enough around that age you're looking for popularity and where you fit in and who's coming in with the with the with the buns or which crew or click you ball, you know what I mean? Like so your, right. your body and your mind is already going through all this analyzing, like where do I fit in? And then now you have this. So mm. yeah, it was extremely yeah, it was hard. So after after I found out about it, um I remember starting to seek assistance from there. I was in Bridgeport, I went to Bridgeport Mental Health, and I was like, okay, trying to learn. And then I met some uncertainty inside myself, right? Mm -hmm. Some self-doubt, some uncertainty, and I, and I couldn't um, grasp, like, maybe this is, is um, maybe I've been misdiagnosed. Maybe this is just me. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I was talking to the wrong people, bottom mm -hmm. line. Right. That's what happened. So, uh, yeah. So that was that. And then. Um, so when you went, when you got mental health, like you went somewhere and got and told them what your, your what was going on with you. And then they gave you a diagnosis. Yeah. The, um, I had ended up getting hospitalized. Um, I had tried to. My older sister um, had committed or tried to commit suicide. Really, really almost successful where they had to pump her stomach. Um, so after that happened. There was never no, you know, therapy for us or anything. And then I had started to cut myself. Mm. So when I started to cut myself, um, the school, you know, is what linked me to the um, whatever social services or whatever they're called. And then that's when, yeah. Okay. And, I, you know, my mother was so offended mm. uh, when that happened. Like, the school just called me because they said you're cutting yourself, like, and beat the shit out of me, right? Mm. Instead of, like... Is there anything going on that you want to talk about? Like, no, I got my ass whooped. And then, you know, so I was conflicted constantly. Like, I don't want to talk about this because I'm going to get my ass whooped. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. I, and it was years of, of in and out of hospitals um, that, you know, I, I started to normalize what was going on until, I'm telling you, until... I was 26 years old, and finally, after going through everything I went through, like the jails and institutions and plenty of deaths in front of me, that I started to embrace what I had because I started to see other people that had what I had that weren't bad people. Mm. That so you successful. had like this whole, 
like you had this whole like I hate myself. I'm I'm not I'm not normal. I'm not yep. yeah. That must that sounds that sounds so hard. Like it must have been. I I feel for you as a young person. You know, not having any support at all and having to deal with this stuff. I I can't imagine. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine. Even my sisters didn't get it. My sisters and me. I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. So you know, again, so the change for me and like the message for the young people, right? Like the change for me was that guess what? I'm I'm 42 now. I I live with bipolar and I'm freaking successful. And what's successful for me means I get up in the morning, I brush my teeth, I get dressed, I take a shower, and I go to work. Like that's my success because there's days where my depression. I just want to sleep for two days. There's there there's days where the self-loathing kicks in, the low self-esteem kicks in, or memories of the trauma that I've been through, like while being out there. Like they can if I I feel like sometimes if I didn't talk to the right person, like if I talk to a therapist or a clinician or something, the conversation would not be so supportive. But when I found recovery and then I found peer support, and this is what we offer in the money, we offer the peer support. Like I'm sharing my lived experience. It's almost like we're little hope dealers to show you that, yes, guess what? We've been through very similar things. The emotions are similar, but let me show you what it is to live life with this stuff, right? Because society also puts us in a box, right? So we're going to show you what what that looks like, like on the awesome side of this um, and, and learn how to combat it. So when you, I want to go back a little bit more before we go back. Like when you decided to get help, you you went on your own. Did you go somewhere and get help? Because I want young people to figure, you know, like. No, no, I didn't. I mean, in my earlier years, it was never voluntary. It was always forced by, you know, by the Department of Correction, um, getting arrested. Um, yeah, voluntary help when um, I finally enough of like the when I was really hard into the drugs you know like where the drugs I had no more cars repossess you know they all that yeah, bad yeah, stuff yeah. so our other experience oh, I heard about um a cold current facility that treated people um like me and and when I went in you know I always make I always I always make jokes it was a locked unit like no cigarette breaks the locked unit, but let me tell you something. That's what I needed right there. And everybody I met in my way at that place in Bridgeport were so raw. They were all in recovery without telling me they were in recovery until like I was ready to be discharged. And they were like on the on the on the out like the plan that when you leave the discharge plan, that like, you know, go to this meeting, go to this meeting. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm not gonna we'll see you there. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? You're gonna see me there? Cause I didn't know the language. Uh, right, and then when right. I came out and saw them, I was like, "What? <laughs> like, we could actually work and help people like us, mm-hmm. like in hospitals?" I was like, "Oh no, where do I sign up?" Because I I was sick and suffering for a very long time, and I would, you know, I I I should I wouldn't have had to go through that if there was somebody in those facilities to be like. Psst, let me teach you how to navigate this bipolar or let me teach you how to shut them voices off. You know what I mean? Like if I would have had somebody there to school me. Um, so yes, yeah, so I went gun home with that whole peer support thing. Um, I got certified by the state to, to provide these professional educational experience services throughout the nation. And wow. I found some people like Dr. Sherelle Bellamy and love that woman. She believed in me. She saw the fire in me. 
of Latino people we have a face here, always make sure that she brings me to the table. Because she knows about, like, the culture piece, right? How a lot of stuff stays in the house, and we're not, we don't really, that, that disconnect, right? So for me to try to be that pillar of hope for people, and that's why I love the Imani Project, because, like, you know, like I said, I, I was angry, too, at the church for, for many years because of the way I grew up, right? So this, to me, is like a double-edged double, double sword where I get to come in and say, hey, check it out, faith-based community. Ten, ten, was it, ten Our Fathers is not going to cure me. <laughs> let's talk about some of the dopamine brain stuff that, like, you know, let's talk about, like, maybe where some recovery houses are. Let's talk about, like, how do I build recovery capital? Let's talk about, like, what is recovery? Like, you wow. know what I mean? And just teaching people from a strength-based approach and, and teaching them even, like, what harm reduction is. Like, if someone would have told me that earlier, like, Annette, if you stop, if you stop like, if you don't smoke crack today but just drink, you're still successful. And encourage me because I probably would have worked towards that one thing because it was a hard hustle to supply all this, the money for everything. So, yeah. So, so what I, is, what is, so tell me a little bit more about Imani, how you got there, what is Imani, and I would like you to talk a little bit more about what harm reduction is. Yeah, so Imani, Imani means, um, it means hope in Swahili. So they, they took up the word, um, and what it is, again, it's just, it's set up to about a 22 or 24 weekly um, sessions. I'm going to call them sessions, okay, because what it is, is we focus on something that is called the eight dimensions of wellness, which means we look at the whole person and what makes their body, their mind tick in order for them to do the opposite of using, Right. So that means I have to have a place in life, you know, what what my what is my role in the community? What is my role? So like so when I was active, the only role I had was using, right? Because I didn't know no better. So even though like so someone comes into the Imani project just because they're using, you know, those two hours that they're there with us, they didn't use. So in those two hours, trust me, I will teach you where you can use all that power inside you from being turned away from so many things and turn that into advocacy. And I guarantee you, you know, there's a place for us everywhere. And I say us because I still see myself in the same group. Um, so that's what that is. It's just teaching people how to use the transferable skills from being out on the streets and turning it into, like, connecting the dots. Like, they say something about occupational, you know? Like, what, what are we, or they'll, they'll ask you when you were a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up, you know? But if you're on the hus on the street, surviving, homeless, and you still manage to get high, get what you need done, guess what? Those are called transferable skills, and you know how to market. You know how to do marketing. You know how to do social media. You know how to do certain, certain words that I will create, right? Like, you know, people, people, you know, like, if I even think of, like, prostitutes. Like, when I used to prostitute, I had to go, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and lie. So when I had to do that, right? And I had to, like, I had this long gap in resume, like, you know, I'm sitting there like, okay, saleswoman. <laughs> so when the person in recovery was like, what happened? And I told her, she was like, well, you know how to deal with, you know, two or more people at the same time. You have customer service. You know how to money manage. I was like, I know that's right. I to look at that in a very powerful way. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, funny you said that in there because. You know, I recently had an epiphany like that because I, I like struggle with my finances and my thinking, like lack thinking, and I'm working on that for myself. 
And I started to tell myself, wait a minute, you raised two kids, you paid the rent, you paid the light, you never got kicked out. So you do know how to manage money, you know? So you do know how to do this because you've been doing it for a long time. So I like that you said that, like, that's true. I think about that with drug dealers. Like, you know, you, you, you're dealing with money, you're dealing with people, you, you have a business, you know, that's how can you, right? You, you have a business. So how can we make this legal so that you don't get arrested? Like, you know, you know, you know, you're smart, you know, and I mm -hmm. like that you put that. That is true, right? Like there is, there is a use for all those things you learned in the streets, right? Yeah. So yeah. how That's do you... the type of stuff you're going to get when you come to Imani. Like <laughs> this uncut, raw approach that I guarantee you're not going to get like, and, and no disrespect to like, you know, but at a Demas facility or like a state facility, you are not going to get no authentic self like me. In a place like that, right? Because you're going to get a recovery coach in every single um, Imani, in every single uh, church. You're going to get someone who represents the spiritual aspect, and then you're going to get someone in recovery. Uh, so it's run by two people, and you know what I mean? Nice. Um, yeah. So it's, and so, it's and cool. so one of the things that I want to talk about is, like, sometimes people, when they hear church, you know, they, they, they like, oh, they're going to make... I, I remember one time I was I went to a food bank. Um, you know, I was we were doing a little bad and I started going to this food bank and you could not get food until you you know did the sermon. Like you had to sit there for the church sermon and then sorry. right and then you got food. Which it didn't bother me because you know I love church, you know, even though I'm not a Christian, but I do love to, you know, I don't label call myself a Christian, but I do love I've always loved church since I was little, but you know, looking back at it, that would really deter, deter some people from coming, right? Because they got to sit through yeah. that. So how does Imani deal mm -hmm. with, like, people, like with, like you said, you would church her. Some people would church her. They're like, they don't want to go into church. They feel like they're going to be judged. So how did you, how do you deal with that when, you know, people come in? So that's the thing. So this is the cool part, right? So there's no consequences. Because the Imani is a peer support program, there's no consequences. So that doesn't mean whatever, if we're in a, a, a Catholic, whatever religion of space that we are utilizing, because we're utilizing their space, okay? Um, the only thing that they're helping us do is that they're connecting the certain parts, and I just learned this, certain parts of the Bible that actually are in line with, like, recovery principles. Got you. So when we came out with this, okay, so here this is, this is the recovery principles. We want to be in charge of ourselves. We want to learn. We want to advocate. A couple people in the faith-based community said, wait a minute, Jeremiah, blah, 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 says the same thing. And I, I used to be like, where? Where? I don't believe. I don't believe. Uh -uh, I love you. Yes, because you're not trying to make me convert. I was not a believer. And I will tell you, my mouth dropped to the floor when I was like, wow. So again, this whole program is just teaching you how to be human, kind, don't doubt yourself, you know, it's not forgive yourself, you know, and provide you with the right type of connection. And and I don't want to call it resources, but it just, just connects you with the right type of, of like lifestyle that's going to make you feel good about yourself. And because once you start feeling good about yourself, everything starts changing. You want to physically do that for yourself. Yes so, yes. so that's yes, the difference yes, in here. Yes. Um, there's no you you have to do this in order to do that. No, 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 no. 
And I thought about that too in the beginning, but um, like Dr. Cheryl Bellamy and Dr. Ayana, they made it real, real strict that that would not be a requirement. Like people who come there for the group, you, you don't have to be, this is like only church members only. It's open to anybody, anybody. Anybody homeless, and, and anybody, could, who, anybody who wants to help. And I can come I can come um high, right? Like if I'm high, oh, I can yeah. still come, right? Yes. So and here's another thing. So we pay the people a weekly stipend in cash to show up, mm. right? Because it is the research project because it's part of the app. Um and so we do need some information. Like tell me please in writing that this works, right? So that in the future we can help more people. Like that's the untold story, right? Mm. So you, you know, people were like, oh, my God, you're buying them the dope. No, they're going to use that money for whatever they want. And if they're going to buy one bag of dope, at least they just had two hours of a safer intervention to get in than putting themselves at harm. If it's a girl, think about all the hepatitis and sex STD. Like, come on, man. Like, seriously, think about the harm reduction. Like, what does that look like? It means we're putting someone is doing something we're helping them reduce the risk of communicable diseases like mm -hmm. bottom line like nurses mm -hmm. and people need to understand that but because it's drugs mm -hmm. it's like that like ooh, it's so bad you know mm -hmm. um and, and that just the stigma that's attached to it so we 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 i expect people to come high because mm -hmm. i expect people to come as they are mm -hmm. if, because if you knew how to get recovery you wouldn't be coming here yeah. And I remember so when I used to train people, I'm like, so pastors, and I would explain like Narcan, for example, which is the opiate reversal. I used to tell the pastors, be prepared to find little orange caps and the things from the needles from shooting dope in your bathroom. Mm. Because they're using, this is, this is, we're not, this isn't, you know, you don't have recovery when you first get here. You gotta, you gotta desire it and get to it. So. Yeah, but, you know, we do take responsibility. Like me, I take responsibility because I am a recovery coach. And I am a person in recovery that I don't want to make harm to anybody. So we just, you know, we check spot everything. That's all. But yeah, again, and I like, I like, I do. This is really needing you for that. Because I'm not going to ask you to, you know, to change. I like, I like, you know, I, I designed this podcast similar to that. Is Like, I really believe when I was working in the mental, I've been working in the mental health field for a long time. But what one piece that I did not see was that, which is the like just come as you are, you know, and the other piece that I did not see is spirituality because it sounds to me like Imani is more about planting seeds, you know, like you plant the seed and you let's let it grow. You plant the seed, you keep watering it, you plant the seed, you keep watering it. And soon, hopefully, you're hoping that somebody will grow, right? And be like, okay, ding, something happened in my head, and I am good enough. I am good enough, and I'm not a bad person, and I deserve a good life. I deserve to be here, you know? And then, you know, so that, that that's the way I designed this, this show. And it sounds to me like Armani is the same way. It's not about, like, people just coming in and getting recovery, is my, if, and if I'm saying it wrong, you let me know. I'm just reiterating what you already said. It's about planting seeds and making people see that they are worth. They are worthy, just the way they are right now today. They are worthy. Mm -hmm. And then you move on to all the other planting of other seeds as they as they go on. Have you? Can you tell me a little bit more about what is harm reduction? 
Yeah, so harm reduction is, um, how do I say this? The harm reduction is looking at, looking at uh, uh, like drugs, use, the use of drugs, um, the use of, or, or, you know, having sex um, and looking at it for some people will be uncomfortable. We're looking at it for what it is, the safety factors. So like, if you know that someone- Listen, let me just, Annette, be, keep it real, mama. Talk like you would talk to your girl. So, this is, this is yeah. me and you two Latinas get down. You know, yeah. I mean, it's about money, but I really want you to bring your real self because that's what my kids want to hear. Don't have, you know, you yeah. got a sugar coat, nothing. No, 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 I'm just trying to think. So, so like for the sex, for example, so if you talk about sex, so if you know if someone's going to just be having sex with a lot of people, right? Instead of like, number one, judging her, we got to make sure she's, he or she is protected, right? So you mm. give the person condoms, you have conversations about birth control pill, or you have conversations about alternative safe sex practices, right? When you really, like if you come to me, you're going to get some alternative schools. Mm. So like with drugs, it's the same thing. So with drugs and alcohol, you're like, okay, so let's, Monday through Friday only, okay? And the person gets up, and, and even if they wake up in the morning, they find food and, and drink. The time they go to sleep, it's constant. Especially if you use any type of uh, opiate, your body physically needs this thing, okay? So it's not like, I'm just gonna grab it to, to get high, you need this shit. Your body, your bones, you're throwing up, you're shitting on yourself, bleh. Worst thing ever with the dope. Um, so it's saying, okay, listen, you know, today's Friday. Thank you for coming here. But um, can you do me a favor and stick with the same drug dealer over the weekend you're using from? Mm. You've been telling me you're getting high, but that one drug dealer that you've been having, you know, obviously is a little bit safer than some of the other stuff on the streets because you haven't overdosed yet or you haven't told me that, right? So keeping that real, like, let's. Not from the same guy because it's probably okay mm. or giving someone the fentanyl testers right and being like okay listen i know you just got your income tax okay because everybody's starting to get paid here's some fentanyl testers and put it inside and test it or giving them the actual supplies giving what is them, what is fentanyl testing what is that what is that it's, a, it's, it's um fentanyl why do i why is, do i need to test my fentanyl because the levels of fentanyl, the high, the how how potent it is in the heroin. Because nowadays, heroin doesn't just have heroin; it has heroin and everything else. So, so you, this is a, a way to, to test, test the fentanyl. Yeah, it's like a dipstick inside. The, when people who use heroin, you know, you, you have a little mixer kit. We also harm, well, not we, but harm reduction sites provide the kits, like the cotton and the the, the little mixer, everything. Because again, it's from, it's like safety water. So you're not using puddle water when you don't have somewhere to live. Using, you know what I mean? A bottle of water that you don't know who drunk out of it. You know what I'm saying? Because you need to get that fixed. So the straight rawness of the addiction. So harm reduction is really, really, really giving you what you need, meaning you where you're at. You know, you're four dollars short to a bag. You know, you know, here's a bag of cans. You know, to be able to put in some recycles for you to get what you need because you're going to get your fix. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get your fix because you're sick. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what that is. And, and and talking about those conversations, extremely different. So that that's my favorite thing is, is, is giving the analogy of the drug dealer thing, you know? 
Because a lot of people look at me like I'm a witch with three heads when I'm like, what? You just told the client that they can use. They're going to use regardless. How about the client's going to come up to me and be like, like, good looking, good looking. Mm. And I have a better connection with that client because it's going to be like, damn, I could, keep, I could keep it real with her. I could tell her that, damn, you know, I just bought two bags and I'm not feeling good. You know, then I can do proper interventions like, hold up, you can overdose in four hours. Why don't you just hang out with me for a little bit? Let's see what happens. Or let's go to a walking clinic together. Because at the end, it ends up, we need to save lives. Like, what is it? I heard today, every 11 minutes, somebody in this world, in the whole United States, is dying of of, of an an accidental overdose. Mm. 11 minutes. Wow. That shit is crazy. Yeah, that is. And, you know, one thing I like about it, too, is that, like, you, what you said, like, it really does help you build trust, right? Because, you you know, a person will feel that they don't have to lie to you. You know, like, they don't have to, it's not like you go into a, a clinician's office and, you know, nah, I ain't getting high and na-da-da-da. Meanwhile, the person's nodding out and you don't know what they did and then they leave and you never know how, you know, what happened. But with the way Imani is doing things, I feel like, I know for me, coming from where I come from, I would definitely feel safer there. Like, I feel like I could I could really tell you, yeah, Annette, yeah, I just, you know, I did some coke and I had drinks and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and I'm not feeling too well. Like, you just said that. Like, yeah, but I, I would feel safe telling you that. I wouldn't feel judged. I wouldn't feel wrong i wouldn't feel you know alone you know and all those other things so i really 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 like that about the imani project and what you're saying too um tell me have you seen a lot of people like tell me what a regular day i come in i come in you know to imani i'm high what happens to me when i come through the door so we have snacks Coffee, juice, whatever. You get to hang out for a little bit, tell me how your week was. So we have two parts of it. Um, you know, we have an individual recovery coaching session, you know, and then we have the group session. So for an hour, either before or after, you're going to meet with me or the other person, and, and there's the realness, right? Like, we're going to set weekly goals, something that's tangible, like I said, and that's why I love, like, the harm reduction. So instead of you using seven days out a week, maybe a small goal could be, I'm going to use six and a half days. <laughs> because come on and then that's what you're going to be like wow I did it you know what I mean um, so little small goals like that whether it's maybe I, I will actually get a pamphlet on Medicaid assisted treatment you know or I'll pick up a housing or I'll go to DSS and do my application or something right, something right. very little and small because if it doesn't get done then I don't want nobody to beat themselves over because you know, that they, they messed up and they didn't do something again. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking at for the smallest tangible things because that is what plants the seeds of recovery, small accomplishments. And have you seen, have you literally seen a lot of people recover through Amani? What have you uh-huh. seen? Tell me what you've seen. So I've seen their outlook on people's lives. So I've, okay, so I started with Amani as the, only as the facilitator. Like I would train the community to provide this service, right? So I did that for like three years. And um, at the graduations, I would hear the pain and the realness of their of their lives, sharing their stories and the impact that this had. Um, and then I was able to do a like a group facilitation when COVID hit, like in, in the Latinx church in New Haven. 
um, that was like the direct impact, right? Like I remember like meeting with people who had biases about the COVID shot, right? Oh, we're we're not doing that. That's the government. Blah 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 blah. And and they used to say things like, oh, I don't know nobody with COVID. And then me and my whole family got it. And I was like, literally, like, I couldn't breathe, like oxygen. Mm. And like a couple people ended up getting the COVID shot because they were like, oh shit, this did happen in my own backyard. Mm. Um, you know, the reality of it. Uh, so yeah, I've I've seen the impact on people's lives, and it may not be the impact that maybe like someone's used to, like, okay, you're clean, you know, a job, an apartment. It may be like, guess what? I, I, I've, I haven't overdosed in 365 days. All right, there's an accomplishment. I carry Narcan on me now. I know where to get Narcan refills. I know where to pop in if I need some. So it's different successes for each individual, and that's what people got to focus on. What do you, What do you want young people to know? So I want young people to know that this is not your average way of looking for abstinence. Okay, like to me, that's you know, that's stuck on on um, not finding solutions for people. Um, I think that the money is it's just a different approach to your whole life. So like because a lot of times, like me, I didn't wake up becoming an addict, right? Something happened to me and, and I don't know what happened to me. So sometimes as a teenager and as young adults, we're, we're put in situations that we have no control over. And so how do we turn that around? So like, even for me as a teenager, like I used to say like the four block radius thing, like I used to always be around the same, cause I didn't know no better, right? I didn't know. And so when I came into this lifestyle of what I live today, which is recovery, um, you know, cause I didn't think I was deserving. And shit, and you need to come on this side because everybody's deserving. Mm-hmm. Like I'm waiting for you right here with a seat next to me, mm-hmm. so we can go like do some tourism or do something, something fun. You know what I mean? Because there is fun in recovery. But just to let them know to, that um, here's a place for you to just literally walk in the door and be yourself. And you probably haven't been able to do that in a very long time. Mm-hmm. So how do people find Amani? Other than me sharing the information, I will be sharing the information on the podcast. This podcast will be going out this week because this is um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. But I mean, how, where is where? Um, yeah, you have one in New Haven. You have one in New Haven. The one that's on the flyer, right? Where's that? Yeah. That's starting. Oh, so. I'm gonna... I'm gonna... I'm gonna... Okay, so you have on. May 17th, so what, seven more days. Next Tuesday, we have the Spanish Latinx Church one, which is at 555 Columbus Avenue, Haven. Um, I, my phone number, you can call me and let me know. Email me and let me know. I'll share the contact with you. My phone number is 203-927-6166. And can I'll you, make sure can that you share you that again? To the participants. Can you share your phone number again? Because it kind of went out. Yep, so 203-927-6166. And I'll give it to you to post on your social media. That's the cell phone. Because I don't know why it is going in and out. You're going in and out. I don't know. But I'll say it again. So 203-927-6166 is the phone number. Okay. Um, If anybody wants to reach me. And then it's right there at 555 Columbus Ave. 
All right, and that's the Spanish one, right? That, that's the Spanish one. I'm sorry, I don't have the. And the, that's the one that you facilitate, right? Yeah, you personally I don't facilitate have the that. Black and brown one on top of me. I'm sorry, my daughter. I do. I have the. I have the one, and also just remember, it will be on. It's on my social media. It's also on. It will be on this video, so the information will be given to you for the English one. Now, um, what what do you see for the future? Like, with do you think because of the crisis that we have, and I'm looking for the things so I can share it because of the crisis that we're having right now. Um, what do you see in the future for 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 Imani? For um, for this harm reduction, this this way of thinking, do you think that it's it's gonna be you know more people are gonna be wanting to do it this way? What are your thoughts on the future for for Imani? So honestly, I think more people. Annette, talking to your mic, we can't hear you, my love. All right, let me try to hire my volume. I said, um, what I think is gonna happen is that. People are going to be extremely interested in Amani because of the approach. It's very, very unique. It's very um, soft, you know what I mean? Um, and it's very different. So I think people are going to be, like, hungry for it, you know what I mean? And how long you guys been around? Since 2017, right? Sorry, I'm getting the videos here. So um, we've been around already for four years. Um, and we just got a grant for another four years. Um, and we, we, in the grant, we actually asked for a different approach, which is more of our heavier clients, like a heavier walkway, right? So in New Haven, I'm sorry, in, in New Haven and Bridgeport, one of the, the Bracken Brown churches will be starting a different component, which is um, we're going to add somebody to come in to provide Medicaid-assisted treatment. So oh, to, to take the next okay. level, right? Oh, so like, okay. guess what? If you want to stop using... No, that's a hassle too, right? To right. try to get someone into MAT, which is Medicaid Assisted Treatment. So we're trying something different. Um, mm -hmm. And I love it because there's a lot of red tape with Medicaid Assisted Treatment. Like you have to have a clean urine. You cannot miss outpatient. You, it's always you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. So with the Amani Project, we're not doing all that. We're like, you're coming, you're coming. Wow, welcome. You know, it's because it's all about saving lives. You know, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, we're almost out of time, Annette. Um, you see how fast the hour goes. Like, you know, we can talk more and more about this. There's so much to say. You know, I, I want to personally thank you and Imani Project for thinking outside the box. That's the one, the other thing that attracted me to your agency because I think, like you, like we got to try something different, right? Because the shit that we doing is not working, you know, it's just not working. It's not working, you know. And it's and 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 the other piece about Amani and the church, like I really truly believe this, is about love. Like we got to learn to love each other, you know. Like love, like forget this. Like I, I've been, I've been hearing work being, you know going to school for psychology and all this, all this empathy thing. Like empathy for me mm. sounds so detached, you know, like, it's like, I'm, I just, like, I just, I empathize with you, but I'm not going to feel, you know, like, and I like, 
I feel like what this world needs is more love, more compassion, more meeting people where they're at and just accepting them for who they are. And then you plant the seeds, you know? I think it's, and this is what I see, what I think I see with you and what you're doing. Like, it's more about, hey, we care about you. We care about you. That's all we want you to know when you walk through this door. We don't care how you come. We don't care what you look like. We just want you to be okay. We want you, you know, we want to love on you. And we want to let you know that you can, that, that you're okay right now. Right now. Not when That's you get so better. Not when you stop doing this. Not when you, you know, when you get into a program. Not, but right now, we care about you. Just the way you are, and I think that's beautiful. I think that's mm-hmm. what pe- I think that's what people need, because like getting to what we were saying from the beginning, there's a backstory to everything, right? Nobody grew up and said, "I want to be a dope fiend. I want to be an alcoholic." Then you know, when you 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 ask a five year old what they want to be, they don't say, "Oh, I think I want to be a crackhead when I grow up." Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they want to be president, they want to be police officers, they want to be teachers, they want to be, you know, they did I say president cuz I want some of my young people yeah. to be presidents. Like you want to be all this <laughs> stuff, right? When you're young and then life happens. And mm-hmm. you don't have the equipment, you don't have the support, you don't have any of those things that you need to get through it. You know, and then little by little, you start hating yourself. And little by little, you start, you get far away from that little kid that thought they, that, that dream, that dreamed big, you know, that thought they could do anything Mm -hmm. because life keeps hitting you, hitting you, hitting you till you start not even believing in yourself anymore or the world or anything. And I'm here to tell you young people that you can do whatever you want to do. You know, you can be whatever you want to be, you know. And there are people out here like me and Annette and Imani that care about you and your well-being and want you to be the best you you can be. And I'm going to reiterate what Annette said, and it's not about, like, these big things. If you get up every day and can go to work, guess what? You did something today. If you were depressed. And you didn't want to get out that bed, but you still got up and went to work and took care of your kids and did what you had to do. You did it today. You did it. You need to pat yourself on the back, you know? And also, I want to talk to any of my young people that are struggling with um, alcohol, drugs, mental health. You don't know what to do. Annette gave you her phone number. You know that Ma is not going to put anything on here that she don't think is going to help you. You know, so get that number from Annette. You can, you know, I'm going to have it on the, on the thing. You can talk to a live person that has experienced it. And she is willing to help you and listen to you, you know, and so am I. So you can also reach out to me. Annette, I am forever grateful for Imani. I'm forever grateful for you. Sylvia, I, you know, you couldn't make it, but you are a beautiful person, too, that was willing to share your story and I so appreciate you, and I'm so incredibly honored that you that you do this, that you do this, that you shared your story, that you came here, and that you care. And it's another another warrior soldier we got on our side to mm-hmm. help us in this life, this thing called life, you know. So again, Annette, thank you, and thank you, Annette Diaz from Amani Project. 
I will have all the information. They're having a class. When does the class start in that? May? The 17th. May 17th. Now, if some people can't make that, can they go to the next one or they have to do the yeah. whole? Yeah. No, you can go to the next one. Okay. Okay. So then that. Come to the next one. I... Honestly, it's going to all depend. So I really need like 10 people consistently, at least for the curriculum to, to start flowing, right? Um, but if for the first couple of weeks, you know, we don't, you know, take some time and we're going to meet you where you at and we're going to figure it out together. Okay. So, turn nobody away. so, you know, think about the money project, my people that are listening that are, that, if you have and, a... And, and, and remember, if they do show up for the classes, you do get a cash stipend. Okay. We are paying because yeah. gas prices are off the chain. I hear you. Okay. So we will provide you a cash stipend, um, every Tuesday. Okay, and also, you know, um, what I wanted to say was, um, you know, this class, If you even if you don't, if it's not you, maybe it's one of your family members that you know, you think could use this. Maybe your mom, or aunt, or uncle, you know, somebody that, the one wonderful thing about this too, if they don't speak English, Imani is offering it in Spanish and English. So that shouldn't be a reason not to go, not to go. At the very least, walk through the door. Walk through the door. Mm -hmm. See if it's something you like. If you don't like it, turn around. But if exactly. you think you need help, I really suggest you reach out to Annette, Sylvia, Imani. Again, I cannot thank you enough, Annette, for being here. I'm forever grateful. I hope that we planted some seeds on this show. And that, you know, if they don't go to Imani, then go somewhere. You know, they'll go somewhere. Get some help if you're struggling with any of these things. If your story sounds like mine or Nat's, then and you and you even feel like you're going down that road, mm. don't wait till you go down that road to reach out to somebody because you know it don't it doesn't start off. It's it could start off with just smoking and then drinking and then. So if you feel yourself, or maybe you have these bipolar symptoms that Annette talked about, or maybe some kind of mental health. You know, get some help, get diagnosed, you know, get some help and reach out. Reach out to me or Annette, okay? Anyway, talk to my with Susan Henriquez. We did another show, y'all, with Yale University Imani Project. We the bomb. We're going to get better. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Mwah! Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Annette. Take care. You're welcome. Bye-bye.